Hello, everyone. As promised, we are doing back-to-back episodes. Uh, so you got some NFL content yesterday. We're coming with you with some NBA content. Uh, so expect talk all over the place. We're going to catch back up on the NBA season, uh, what teams are surprisingly doing well, uh, surprisingly doing pretty poor. And then we're going to uh, throw out four questions that we think are going to define how the rest of this NBA season all shakes up. Episode 14, here we go. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Just Saying Podcast. Today is January 14th, 2021, the day after we just... 2022. 2022. I'm already already making that mistake. Uh, uh, And we're back-to-back. We're back-to-back days doing podcasts for you guys, trying to get out some content. Um, And like we mentioned in the NFL pod, today is going to be strictly NBA, because we haven't you know, giving you guys enough NBA content. We actually do really like watching basketball, so we want to get some content out for you guys. Exactly. As you said... We'll, we'll do some uh, some NBA. We'll make up for some missed time. Hope it's understood, though, with, with the NFL kind of being at its yeah. climax right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of time. There's there's plenty of time to focus on the NBA. There's, oh, yeah. there's still another 40, 40 games left. So. Yeah, the season goes on until, what, June? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. so at some point, we're going to be splitting up high-stakes NBA talk with off-season NFL talk. Oh, yeah, 100%. So that'll be, yeah. that'll be when it'll be a lot more NBA-centric. But... Should we just dive right in? Let's, let's talk about, yeah, let's just talk about the current NBA environment right now because, I mean, we haven't really covered it in a while. So let's just kind of, I think a good way to kind of divide it up is by talking about surprise good teams that mm-hmm. we didn't expect to be good mm-hmm. um, and also surprise struggling teams that we did expect to be good teams and obviously are struggling. So do you have a first surprise good team that you want to mention? Um, yeah, let me, and I kind of wanted to almost say like, what are the hottest teams in the NBA right now? Because I feel like that'll kind of okay. initiate the conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the hottest team in the NBA, you find the surprise good team, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, yeah. The sure. Memphis Grizzlies have won 11 in a row. Uh, since Jaw has been back, they're scary. The, the numbers are frightening. You know, I, I, I think you can go online and see tweets like every night, you know, oh, yeah. this feels like D Rose, like this feels like young D Rose. Um, He's been Jaw's been different. Uh, it's been super super fun to watch. I think what is, he's got to be averaging. Uh, it's twenty four, basically twenty four and a half points a game, five point eight rebounds a game, six point eight assists on forty eight and a half field goal percentage. So that could be a little bit better, but still like How insane it, numbers. MVP caliber season, a hundred percent, and he's shooting the three at about thirty six percent. And he and he wasn't known to, and that was kind of like his big uh, his big knock mm-hmm. was he's not an effective three point shooter, and that's kind of be the the next level to his game. Well, he shot the ball a lot better thus far. Um, he's been a little streaky to start the new year, but when it's falling, like it, it's falling. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, he's one of those players. He's he's like that. And also, he's very clutch. You always find him making big buckets at the end yeah. of games, and he likes to have his name called. He's just one of those guys. 100%. I also wanted to just give a second to mention that block he had against the Lakers. Ridiculous. One of the, Probably one of the craziest blocks his I've ever His head seen was literally... Almost above the uh, block on the backboard, like the yeah. on the glass. So that it, it wasn't even a block; he just caught the ball. He, he literally caught it, which is so insane to think about. But. Ridiculous. So, well, and then also, let's talk about the Grizzlies because their off season sort of indicated a team taking a step back, a little step back. Yeah, yeah with the Valanciunas Stephen Adams trade, um, it was questionable because they were a team that was 
blossoming with young stars. They had just made it to the play and they beat the they uh, they beat the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then had a they gave a pretty good fight to the to the Jazz. I mean, they snuck a game out and, mm-hmm. and Jaw really showed that he's a he's a highly effective scorer and, and facilitator. Yeah. So I think it was interesting that they you know seemingly took a step back and i mean they have the third best record in the in the western conference they're three games out of the the one seed in the west and i think they have the third best record in the nba so 29 14 they're 30 and 14 now oh okay yeah Yeah. yeah, you're right uh so i mean that i think that starts the conversation right 100 yeah i think well like you said, I think the trade of Valanciunas and Stephen Adams it definitely made him take a step back offensively because Valanciunas is a better offensive player than Stephen Adams is, yeah. and I actually like Stephen Adams. I, I think do too. He's, he's, I mean, you hear so many stories from NBA players about how strong and big yeah. he is, but I think his presence is mostly defensive. Um, but then, I mean, you have to look at the composition of the team now, and you have these flourishing young guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. And I then love Jaron Jackson. The big wild card is Desmond Bain. I. I'm glad you brought him up. Desmond Bain has been on a, a tear lately. Yeah. And, and this is a team that has not had Dylan Brooks the whole season. Right. Uh, and Dylan Brooks was the was the playoff kind of – that was the X factor. You yeah. know what I mean? That was the, the 3 and D. This guy was making plays all throughout the, their game against the, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. This, this is – they have a lot of young pieces that are very exciting and haven't even seen much from Kyle Anderson. Who was who was a big uh, contributor? So yeah, I, I think he's kind of just a veteran presence. I feel like yeah. he he probably learned a lot being on the Spurs, especially from Pop in those offenses. So he might be trying to help coach him up. Obviously, I don't know that, but that's just kind of my assumption. But I mean, if you have Ja, who we mentioned, who has basically twenty four and a half points a game, and then you're also getting uh, sixteen and a half from Jaron Jackson Jr. and then seventeen and a half from Desmond Bain. That's really good supplementary basketball, mm-hmm. and Desmond Bain is also shooting forty two point two percent from three yep. this season. So that's bring that up. so so massive. Yep, um, for a young team, especially to have a shooter that's that effective. I I would totally agree. Uh, they're they're, I think that that we we had to start with them because they they mm-hmm. have been the most fun team to watch as of late. Uh, a team that has not been that hot lately especially with the return of clay thompson the golden state warriors and i don't want to say they're a surprise good team because i expected them to be good right however they're they've been without clay and they were sitting atop of the west for a minute had the best record in the nba for a mm-hmm. minute and now they're they have, they're one game one and a half games behind the suns so i think that even though they've been a little shaky this last two weeks week and a half um especially with steph steph has not played well mm-hmm. in the last couple games um they're definitely surprising me in terms of what they're putting out there. Right you now. wouldn't necessarily call them a surprise struggling team, though, would you? No, no, no. I, I, I said I wouldn't necessarily call them a surprise good team. Mm-hmm. However, I did not expect them to be this good. Oh, okay. At this, at this point. Okay, okay. With Fair no enough. clay, yeah, yeah. With, you know, with the steps that Poole has taken, with mm-hmm. the steps that Wiggins has taken, I did not expect this. I think that's super important, especially with the Poole and Wiggins. You've had yeah. like, a ton of contribution from players that you didn't think that you'd get it from. Like, mm-hmm. for example, Gary Payton Jr., the second, or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, the second or junior. I'm yeah, not sure. Gary but, Payton, yeah, Gary Payton, the second. And uh, he's been outstanding for them defensively and just providing those kind of like electric plays, kind of like almost a role that. Iggy would be for yeah. them back in like 2015. He'd kind of just have those spark plays. So they've been getting a lot from their younger guys, which has been huge because they've been super reliant on 
super top heavy. Yeah. With Steph, Clay, and then also Draymond. Sometimes uh, Iggy could also be in that role. But like, so it's huge for them that they got that from um, their young guys. Pretty crazy too to think that this is the product they're putting out, and they seemingly have three first rounders not in the equation who are just sitting on the roster. Yeah. Um, you know, Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga were drafted this past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not obviously not big contributors, not asked to do much as they as they shouldn't be. Right. And they're gonna be brought along the Warriors way. And we haven't even seen James Wiseman. Yeah, he's just been sitting they show him like every game. Yeah. He's sitting in the street clothes behind the bench. So So you know, it, it, it's mind blowing to me that the, this is where they're at mm-hmm. and they've you know I think waste is a very strong word, but as of right now, they've like wasted three first rounders talent just sitting on the bench. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think too, I know we're going to get into a trade talk later today, but I think not necessarily their two guys they drafted this past year, but James Wiseman might be a candidate for a trade. Yeah. They might move on from him because they have him playing so good. They don't really need him. You know, I know I, I did not put him in any of my trades, but I we'll talk about that later. That's, that's a good one. I think that the next surprise, good team, is pretty. I think it's pretty obvious. What, what do you think in terms of the Bulls? Yeah, you mentioned the yeah. Bulls. Yeah, I mean, twenty-seven and twelve, sitting at the first seed. Um, they I are mean, so fun to watch. I know in our, I think it was our roundtable episode that we had with Sammy and Carl. I mentioned that Demar Derozan. You brought him up for started off hard. Yeah, yep. I did, yeah. So he has been sensational. Insane. Twenty-six points a game. Five point two rebounds. Four point seven assists. And then also like. You can't not mention he has two game winners. They were back to back game winners games. too, which is so crazy. So he like his veteran presence has been super necessary for that team. Um, also, they actually have they, that team was compiled very impressively. Like they have great depth on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, just to mention some players, Lonzo, who was a great addition, uh, Zach Levine, who obviously was there, uh, Nikola Vucevic, who was traded for the year before, and then they got Caruso. Troy Brown Jr., Kobe White, and then their rookie, Ayo, I don't even want to pronounce his last name. Oh, Ayo Desan, the, the uh, Iowa. From Illinois. Illinois yeah. guy, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, been actually great. sneaky good for them this he's year as well. He's been very nice. So A lot of teams would kill for that guy. Yeah, very, very good team composition. So that's been a very impressive team this year. Not to mention, I think I think the, the hot name that he hasn't even played this much this year, but uh, people are very excited for Patrick Williams. Oh yeah, to come along. Uh, isn't he out for the season? Yeah, yeah. He uh, got hurt like right in the beginning, right? Yeah, he uh, he like broke his arm or like right yeah. or his like there hand was a or something somewhere. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's people are very excited for. Yeah, him. I follow a whole bunch of because I do follow the Bears, so I follow a whole bunch of uh, Chicago reporters, and they like have nothing but good things to say about yeah. him, especially defensively and just his hustle and his yeah. effort. Uh, something Top to board. highlight as well. So you mentioned Demar Derozan. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who. Is playing a career year, yeah. Uh, potential MVP season, putting up numbers he's never he's never done as a scorer. Mm-hmm. Have we also noticed that Zach Levine, a 26 year old, is scoring 26 points a game on 41 percent from three and f- basically 50 percent from the field? And this is a guy who is pretty much seen as like a you know he's a scorer. That's what he is. He's only a scorer. He played for the the Bulls for four years. They were always bad. They never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's all he has. Um, while his scoring has gone down mildly compared to last year, considering they added a twenty six point per game wing, mm-hmm. and he's playing alongside him and playing this efficient, he's twenty six years old. I think if this guy has a, another 
dimension of his game to develop, then Zach Levine is going to be a superstar for, for oh, some years to come. Dude, I love Zach Levine. I think everyone was kind of infatuated with him after that one dunk contest where yeah. him and uh, Aaron Gordon went back-to-back and just... So, I mean, I've loved him since then. I think, obviously, he's a lot more than a dunker, which mm-hmm. a lot of people might um, he's categorize a, him as... a scary scorer. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely just an insane scorer. And I think, like you said, to be able to add someone like DeMar DeRozan, who's taking a lot of his shots maybe from last year mm-hmm. in comparison to this year. Um, dude, I, I, it just goes to show that they've had really good chemistry and they've all kind of just meshed really well together. Very, Like I was saying, very good composition of the team and everyone kind of works out, works with one another. So it's been great. One more note on the Bulls. Why, why are people not lining up for Lonzo Ball on their team? Like, boy, was everybody so off. Mm-hmm. The, he seems like the best teammate ever. This guy wants nothing to do with scoring. He just wants to pass the ball, and he shoots wide open threes. And he does score pretty efficiently too. Does, it's it, not it's not too bad. Like forty two point three percent. I guess that's fairly low. But he's, um, he's come a long way as a shooter. He has, especially as a, as a as a three point shooter. Three point shooter is forty two point four percent. So that's it's equally as amazing. It's actually higher than his uh, overall field goal percentage. Which and is kind of crazy. He's shooting forty two percent. And and just because I was I've been a Lakers fan and I remember watching him as a rookie, I'm gonna guess he shot. 21% from the three is his rookie year. 30%. Okay, I just looked it up. Oh, okay. So he was shooting 1.7. He was making 1.7 threes on 5.7 attempts his rookie year. He's now making 3.1 threes on about 7.3 attempts. That's I mean, huge. He, he's coming a long way. Yeah, 100%. Um, seriously, though, I, I, I still does not make sense to me why teams have not lined up out the door to get this guy on their team. And I think the big thing, too, is he's a great defender. He's a great defender. So, I mean, that's like... Great perimeter defender. And for a lot of, especially contenders now, that, that may be struggling, that's like a huge, huge thing that a lot of them need is that, that Nearly wing two defender. Nearly two steals game. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then, staying in the East, that kind of brings me to my last surprise good team, who, I don't know if you could guess, but the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that's, yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, they're going to be in the playoffs, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that they don't get cold or something and miss because I just said that. But they have not had Evan Mobley for a considerable amount of time in the season, and he's, you know, who I would say is probably the most fun rookie. He's a stud, yeah. Yeah, he's a stud. I can't wait to see. They're, they're building something the right way, mm-hmm. and it's fun to see. It's, it's fun to see some competency. Yeah, hundred you know I mean? percent. And the things that I've noticed, like because I've watched a couple of their games too, uh, Darius Garland has been putting up sneaky numbers, and he's been actually he's very good, very good this year for them. I think he's averaging nineteen points, uh, three rebounds, and then seven and a half assists on forty six percent shooting. So he's very good, pretty good for them. And then also, um, Kevin Love, especially recently, because I don't think he was playing at the beginning of the season, but he's been absolutely huge off the bench as a six man. So he's kind of accepted his role. Even though he's been in Cleveland for what, like eight years at this point, seven years, and, and, and he's he always had, been a starter. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and he had a streak. I want to say it was it was not recent, but he was putting like 25, 24, 23 a night yeah. for like a week. Mm-hmm. He he went kind of crazy. Yeah, he had some pretty good games back to back to back. Yeah, uh, just to to piggyback off that and to to give one more team who I would say has surprised me, um, but. I don't know if I'm gonna like. I'm not gonna go all the way because I think they're expected to be a good team. But uh, the Heat have turned the ship around. Oh yeah, for they, sure. They started off pretty shaky, mm-hmm. and I think it's just a, it's worth acknowledging that uh, Jimmy Butler has turned it on when he's played, when he's been available, and Tyler Hero is he's back to having another great season. Yeah. So 
that's pretty fun to watch. He's shooting the ball 38% from the three. So he's getting back to those those bubble numbers. Um, a little sophomore slump last year. So I, I, I'm excited to see the, uh, I mean, both sides of the, the playoffs, I would say. But I'm excited to see how the East shakes up with the Nets, which we'll get into, and then the defending champions, right. and then the Bulls and the Heat who are, who look hungry, you know what I mean? There'd be a lot of teams that I wouldn't want to face in the playoffs for sure. And mm-hmm. like even like going back to the Cavs real quick, I don't mean to keep talking about them, but imagine like you go into a playoff game and they have this big lineup. You go in and they're starting marketing, Mobley and Jared Allen. With I saw like a game the other day and Kevin Love was also on the floor at the same time. Like they're very very tall. Also Insane. Thank, thank you for bringing back up the Cavs because Jared Allen deserves our, our recognition. He, yeah, exactly. He does He's deserve so recognition. Good. Very good defender. But yeah, like you were saying, the Heat have been on it this year. I I think overall through, I mean, the one through 10 seed now that the play-in is a thing, um, the Eastern Conference is better, I would say, than the West as a whole as of right now. But I think the top of the West is better than the top of the East. Yeah, we, we kind of just said that right, mm-hmm. right before we got on. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mixed it up at first. Um, I would say, yeah, the top of the West, it's more solidified, yeah. while the East is deeper and scarier. 100%, okay. yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, though, I think that opinion would change drastically had uh, Kawhi and Jamal Murray been healthy. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be the, the great equalizer mm-hmm. and would make it actually a very fun uh, season, which it already is. But... Should we talk about some struggling teams real quick? Yeah, we should. Can I give me one more second? I'm looking yeah. at the the Cavs numbers. I just this just came to me. How many? And I don't even know the answer. How many teams in this time in in NBA? You know, 2022, 2021, whatever it is, have four big men. You know, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Kevin Love, Laurie Markkinen, all averaging above 13 points a game. So they're getting what twenty six? They're getting sixty points out of four guys who are above six ten. Yeah, that's scary. You don't you don't see that much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's pretty cool. It's yeah, it, and just to be able like not even if they're all on the floor at the same time, but just to be able to bring those guys in, just be confident that mm-hmm. they're going to be able to score for you and get buckets in the paint, like and play defense for that matter. Love the Rondo addition too. Oh yeah, huge huge for them, especially because Ricky Rubio, who was playing very well, mm-hmm. you know, had the season-ending injury and the surgery. So that was Rondo was really a sad. really good replacement. That was yeah. sad with Rubio. He was mm-hmm. playing well. Yeah, did, he was. Did you see that clip though? Of and it was like before we get into surprise bad teams, uh, it was all over Twitter because it was like you know this is why you bring Rondo on a team. And I want to say they were playing the Blazers, mm-hmm. and the Blazers went into a two-three zone, and Rondo's dribbling the ball to court. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. So they get into a they're in a 2-3 zone. Rondo is crossing half court and recognizes it yeah. and moves everybody to the left side and keeps a shooter on the right side. And I, I can't remember who the names were, but it was just like showed his brilliance. Gets right to the top of the key, passes it left, calls for it back right away, swings it back right for a wide open three. Okay. They hit a wide open three and they get back on defense. And and that's it, that's why they call him playoff Rondo, right? Yeah, that's yeah. why you want him in the playoffs. It was just like him. It was brilliant. I mean, he recognized the defense right away, mm-hmm. swung it for all the, everyone to move, swung it right back wide up in three. They're back on defense. So like that. That's why you get him. You yeah, know what absolutely, hundred I mean? percent. I think also like on the flip side of that, it was necessary for the Lakers to get rid of him just because they had so many like yeah. guards. So, but working out for the Cavs and hopefully it'll pay dividends once they get closer to the playoffs. Hundred percent. But just loving it. I, I can't wait to watch this. Uh, this NBA as it gets down oh, the stretch. 100%. It's going to be, I mean, there's a lot of teams who have very similar records, so it's going to be very, very close. Uh, which brings us to the struggling teams. And I know you just mentioned them, so I'm going to bring them up. 
Los Angeles Clippers are 21 and 21, which, by the way, is, and I'm, I know we'll talk about them too, the same record as the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, but I think it's funny how no one mentions the Clippers struggle when they're practically in the same boat as the Lakers. They have Kawhi, who's out hurt. The Lakers also have AD, who's out hurt, although it's a little different because uh, is probably going to come back a lot sooner. Um, but yet all the attention is still on the Lakers and their struggles. I don't know what you think about that or if you think that the Clippers even deserve to be on this list. I have them just because you think that they'd be a little bit better at least. I don't know. Um, I feel multiple ways about it. I would say this is, this is what I would say on it. Um, I think that as a blanket statement, probably a little bit more uh, light on the Clippers considering they were they've been down Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs and Paul George dragged them to the to the Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. and they had a realistic shot of winning. Uh, so Paul George really took a step up and improved a lot as a player. Also, I think then you're kind of making a comparison between like LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and Paul George and like whoever the next guy is for the That's Clippers. True. So, I feel multiple ways about it. However, they have struggled um but these are also two teams that I think, even though we, I mean, I'm sorry, my computer keeps making these noises. Uh, even though we're going to get into the Lakers, I think that these are two teams that are staying afloat down a significant piece. That's all you can really ask for. Mm-hmm. And when they get, when they both get Kawhi being one of the maybe five best players in the, in the world or three best players in the world. And then AD being one of the, like the 15 best players in the world, I'd feel a lot better. And, yeah. we'll, and we'll see what happens with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But I, I know exactly what you mean. People have been a little lighter on the Clippers, and I think there's multiple reasons. But they, they have struggled. Yeah, for sure. So let's, like we mentioned, let's also talk about the Lakers. And I just want to note really quick, and this will help us talk about a couple more teams. That So the Clippers, the Lakers, um, the Knicks, and the Celtics are all 21 and 21. All teams that, at least in my mind, I see as kind of surprise struggling teams because the Celtics the Knicks, Lakers, and then Clippers, as we just talked about, were all playoff teams last year. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I would agree. However, I think that the Celtics are trending down, and I think that they're probably going to be breaking up the Tatum and Brown duo pretty soon. I don't know if it's this season, but maybe this offseason. I was actually going to ask you that exact question, because like you mentioned, I I don't understand how, I mean, you bring back Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, who have all been on the same team for the past five years at this point. Uh, so you figure there would be some chemistry, and then they also have made multiple Eastern Conference Finals together as rookies as well, mm-hmm. and, um, and in the second year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they also do have Robert Williams, who has been playing great defense for them, and is third in the league. It's one uh, of the best passing blocks. big men. Yeah, one of the best passing big men in the league. So you you think that would bolster their both offensive and defensive effort, but they just can't win games. So I was I was gonna ask you, like you just kind of brought up, if it continues to have that downtrend, do you think they have to split up Brown and Tatum? You know, I think I've, I've kind of, I think this is kind of like been an inevitable path mm-hmm. for the past two years, maybe. Because this was talks last, this last offseason, right? It's kind of been in talks for like two years, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like been who's the real guy, and I think everyone was, it was like, oh, it's always been Tatum, it's always been Tatum. Jalen Brown took a very big step mm-hmm. in the last 36 months, yep. uh, or 24 months, I should say. Uh, I think it's still probably Tatum in terms of who they would keep. But, you know, they both kind of serve similar roles. And, you know, maybe it's just two players that, like, aren't meant to to play together. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But also, I would say at the same time, like the Celtics haven't really done a great job of surrounding them with, you know, at least in the last two years right. of players that are going to help them win. I mean, they had Kyrie Irving, you could say, three or four years ago. But I mean, you know, that was a dumpster fire. Do you think you know many teams could really confidently sign up for that and, and know that it's going to end well? Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. I, I I think there's multiple ways to look at it, but I think that the Celtics probably are splitting up that that duo in the next twelve months. If I were to guess, yeah, I, I could see that too. And like just looking at their roster really quick, I mean, so you have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and then I guess your next best player is Dennis Schroeder, and then Josh Richardson. Richardson's bad. Um, He's bad. Robert Williams also. They have Al Horford, right? Al Horford, yeah. But I mean, just like a whole bunch of guys that are either like on the decline or just like, I don't know, they're not going to help you win games. Like They have oh, a team in limbo. 100%, yeah. I think way to put it. also, I and just because I, I listen to a good amount of like Bill Simmons, and and I I haven't lately, but I used to a lot, and, and he's a big Celtics guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reoccurring issue that, that he would say, and I, I've kind of picked up on just after he, he you know, kind of like pointed it out, is that they really have like no, they have like no, fight in their team no one really wants it you know what i mean mm-hmm. they just like go out there and they play and you know marcus smart is their engine and if right. he's not playing and if he's not you know doing his job well like they just don't have like a they don't have a fight in that in that locker room mm-hmm. it seems like it seems like they're they're totally fine losing games sometimes i mean you know they're young I mean? they're making cash right yeah yeah that so that makes sense i guess but also the the knicks have been surprisingly bad mm-hmm. but i would say that also they overachieved last year that I, okay, I think that's a, a fair way to put it because I was going to say like they were in the playoffs last year. They did end up losing the first round. They're the four seed. Yeah, which is pretty insane. Um, and as of right now, they are the first team that are going to miss the playing tournament. The eleven seed. Yeah. So, but they also recently made a Should trade move. to acquire Cam Reddish, who mm-hmm. is a pretty good three and D player. I like that move a lot. And Solomon Hill and the second rounder. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wait, so, let me ask you this real quick. Well, over under months that Zion's on the Knicks. Oh, dude, I it's so weird. Like, cause Zion was so sensational when he played his rookie year, and then obviously battling his injuries. Like, point Zion was scary. So so scary. Um, right before the bubble happened. It's pretty sad, honestly. It's sad. I, I hate it. I feel like I've been saying that though since he was drafted that he's just so big, and then you see a new clip of him every day, and you're like, dude, he must weigh. 375 pounds. He walks like Charles Barkley already. Yeah, he swings those yeah, arms. Yeah, it's he waddles. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really, it's actually sad. I really want to see him play because he's so talented. He's super good. I hope. But I seriously, hope, over under months. You you think it's a for sure thing? No, just kind I, of a joke. Uh, it's just funny. Nine. Nine. Okay, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll leave it at nine. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if you know, and I'll just, I'll just. Say the takes. Jalen Brown and Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson will not be on their teams by next year's trade deadline. Well, what was it? I think it was when you and I and some of our buddies were up in Idaho together when the report came out that Zion's family was unhappy yeah. with him in New Orleans. So, I mean, if he, he obviously hasn't said anything, but if the family's not happy, that's obviously an extension of himself. Pretty big indicator. Um, and he, did, I don't think he ever came out and said anything about it, too. He's been rehabbing. He's that, been rehabbing. That is true. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I think that'd be interesting to reunite the big three from Duke. It'd be yeah. kind of funny. But um, just back to the Knicks, though, I think they obviously need to turn it around. I don't know if Cam Reddish or Solomon Hill is going to be like 
that spark they need. Mm-hmm. But I think the good thing to note is that they've been trending a little bit upwards because their production has been slowly increasing from RJ Barrett and some of your younger guys. Like RJ Barrett's been sensational recently. I love RJ Barrett. Yeah, and like it's like I think we kind of mentioned the same thing with um, Ja. Like I think the knock on him was he can't hit the deep ball, he can't shoot from outside, and that's exactly what he's been doing the past couple of games. Mm-hmm. So that's been really really cool to see. Um, the Julius Randle stuff is frightening. It's it's concerning. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't I don't know what's good there. Do you think they miss the playoffs or make it? Just I think they make it. Okay. I, I think the play in. I right. mean, actually, does making the play in count? Because like it's I, I see them in the play in. Do they? Do they win their play in game? I guess that's a good question. Because if they lose their play in game, it doesn't count. Yeah. It's like I could see them losing their play in. I could see them winning their play in. I could see them outright making. Play-in. Like the thing I'm going to bring up, I was actually just about to say next is you know we talk about the Knicks, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Clippers. Well, the Lakers and the Clippers are both. Well, the Lakers are two games out of the five seed. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, the Clippers are two and a half games out of the five seed. The Knicks are three three and a half games out of the five seed. The Celtics are three and a half games out of the five seed. Like yeah. th- things change very quickly in the NBA. Yeah. So let's let's see. We'll you sit know, on it. For yeah. A little bit. Yeah. For sure. We'll see. Um, and I guess I. That's what makes it so great, though. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You can move so vertical. So volatile. Yeah. In, in a matter of weeks. Hundred percent. So um, I guess. I still have a couple more teams. I don't know. I, I This list was a lot more easy to make or easier to make mm-hmm. than the other list was. Um, I mean, teams, I, I can just list some teams that I do have still are the Indiana Pacers. The, the Pacers, I think that they're entered. They're about to blow it up. They're, they're 100% about to blow it up. I mean, they have a, they have a pretty good roster. They have, a, they have a very talented roster. Multiple all-star players or past all-star players on that roster. Um and they also have the leading shot blocker in the NBA in Miles Turner. I think we just have to just write that one up as they're about to blow it up. Do you think they make the playoffs though? Right now they're no. not. I don't either. No. Yeah. So they're out. So let's just move on from them because that's we both are in agreement about that. Um, I also have the Hawks. That's the that's the team that should be at the front of this list. Mm-hmm. I think even more so than the Lakers or whoever, whatever you want to say. Um, the Hawks were the five seed. They had. Trey Young, they they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. Obviously, they were two games away from going to the finals. Yeah, uh, people thought it was pretty realistic that they would go to the finals, mm-hmm. even when they were playing. Um, I don't really know what's going on. I can't really even give you an answer. I think that that they look like a totally different team than what I watched during the playoffs. Hundred percent, and like that's what was so concerning because similar to the Pacers, their team is pretty much the exact same. Very, very slight changes, and they have a great young core of players. Um, but I would like to mention on a pod that we did earlier, I did, I think when we were projecting, I think you, I wasn't very high on the I, Hawks. I remember this very vividly, too. Yeah, so uh, I, not that I knew that it would go down like this, but like they have another half of the season to prove me wrong. That's all I'll say. I just, you know, I think it's interesting. First of all, Trey Young averages four turnovers a game. You turn on ESPN, you'd never know that. Yeah. All they talk about oh. is Russell Westbrook turning the ball over. All they talk, yeah. Uh, exactly. But very interesting, however. Uh, I don't know. I think when I was watching the playoffs, the thing that surprised me is I was almost like, I was almost, I don't want to say I was anti Trey Young going into the playoffs. I was more so not a believer. I was okay. like, I don't think this guy can lead the right. Hawks through, through mm-hmm. multiple rounds. And as I watched them play, starting with the Knicks series, there was just times where it called for Trey Young, 
and it seemed like he was making the right decision eight or nine times out of ten, whether mm-hmm. it be pass it, go for this floater up in, in, in the key, or, or take the, the, the deep shot, or like shake my man and get by him for a mid-range. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was always making the right decision. And it even went into, uh, uh, who did they play in the second round? They beat the Knicks, and then they played Sixers. the, the Sixers, yeah. Uh, he would you know, get up into the key with, with, uh, with all the trees and just always make the right pass. You yep. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't really seem like that's the case anymore. It seems like it's more of the, uh, the selfish Trey Young that people were a little hesitant about. Do you think that's a product of him doing so well in the playoffs? He got a little egotistical because he did do so well, and now he's trying to manipulate the game too much by himself. You know, that's a, that's a good question. I don't really know. I don't know the answer to that, but I will say that, you know, obviously Cam Reddish is gone now, but this is a team that is tailor-made to play around Trey Young with all the shooters. I mean, mm-hmm. you have Bogdanovich, Kevin Huerter, you have DeAndre Hunter, you know, Gallinari, whoever it is, like, right. they can shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. He's got to get more out of these guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, that's my take on it, at least. No, yeah, I can um, see that for sure. Because it's like, and this this is totally different, but it goes back to like the, you know the the Hawks and the Mavericks are the teams that made the trade. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, yep. you know, did the did the Hawks make the wrong decision? Well, you know, the Hawks have been to the, the conference finals. The Mavericks haven't. But is Trey Young going to make his teammates the best version of themselves? Is it going to be the real question that defines whether or not it's it's the move for the it was the right move for the Hawks or the Mavericks? I, yeah, and like thinking about that question, I don't think it was the wrong move in any way. I think Trey's he's great. Been, yeah, he's been really great for them. But I also think like the way you just framed that, Luca is a player that will elevate his teammates' play around him, while Trey I think is more, um, not selfish, but he he's just more self focused. I guess he just wants he gets his he gets his a yeah lot he more. gets his first, and then if it so happens that he needs to make a pass or something, then it's there, right? But like I think Luca. Um, in that way is more great because he will elevate the play of those around him. Mm-hmm. And, and just to go off, not to go off on too far on a tangent, but let me ask you, do you think also at the same time in defense of Trey Young, do you think Luka gets a lot of passes in terms of, like this team's been, I mean, they've, granted, mm. I, I do not think or know if Trey Young could do what Luka's done in the playoffs in terms of like, playing the Clippers by and himself. giving them every like yeah. everything they can handle just mm-hmm. by yourself. Uh, however, they're, they've been pretty mediocre for three years now. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've been mm-hmm. in the exact same spot. Is I don't know if that that's obviously not all his fault. It has to do with team building, too. Right. I mean, this is a team that gave away Seth Curry for uh, Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson and just, which is horrible. Yeah. I mean, Seth Curry is a killer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of just wanted to pose that question as a little devil's advocate. Yeah, I I think that Luca just being as great as he is does get. I mean, naturally he does get passes. Great players do get passes. I'm not saying Trey's not a great player, but I also Luca has efficiency. I'm sorry not to cut you off. Just to add, Luca has efficiency issues in his own right. Hundred percent. Yeah, he does for sure. And I think we mentioned that yeah. uh, earlier on a pod. Um, but I also think like just kind of what you were saying. I think. Trey Young's team, although it's younger, it's almost um, super talented and built a little better than the Mavericks are right now. And I know you and I, I don't know if we've done it on the pod before, but we always just trash on uh, Chris Tapp's Porzingis because in those playoff games against the Clippers, well, one of them, 
Uh, Luca was hurt with a foot injury, and KP got hurt, and it looked like at the beginning of that series that they were going to run through the Clippers. Yep. And then Luca was having to do it with one leg basically by himself, and he took him to seven, right? Mm-hmm. And then the year after, two that, years, he's took him to seven. Yeah, exactly. They also went to seven. So, and that's tough to do against the team with Kawhi, PG, and Serge Ibaka, and whoever else was on the team at the time. But um, he does get passes, I think. But I think in most cases it's warranted. I, w- I yeah. I would agree with with that. I mean, I, I feel the exact same way about it. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to to take that other side yeah. because I will say KP has played well this year, so yeah, I'll give him, yeah, I'll give him was, his credit where it's true. due. And they're doing pretty well. Yeah, too. and and I agree with your one point. I think that was a great point you made in that the since day one, the Hawks have done a better job of custom fitting a, a roster to Trey Young. Yeah, as opposed to the Mavericks took a swing with KP. And it hasn't really panned out too much. 100%. And they've been a little uh, immobile because of it. You know what I yeah. mean? They haven't really been able to get off the contract, and it's been discussed that they've been trying to for, what, two years now. So Yeah. And we've been harsh on them for that, but it is what it is. I think they're going to – this has to be the last year. If they don't do anything with those two this year, you have to assume KP's got to be gone. You would think so. Um, but let's just say if the playoffs were to start right now and they play Utah in the first round – I don't really know how I feel about that. Yeah, it wouldn't be a good matchup at all. I don't know if that would be that great of a matchup for him. Yeah. But, um, but hmm. so I have two more teams really quick. So yeah. let's just get into, uh, we've mentioned them, the Lakers. We haven't really talked much about them. We have mentioned them during this podcast. But um, people have been saying that their quote-unquote 360 trio of LeBron, or AD LeBron and Russ has been garbage, which I don't think is fair because at the beginning of the season, LeBron was battling injuries, and then as soon as he came back, AD got hurt. I think you said they've had, what, 55 minutes on the floor with each other? I got a... Yeah, let me find the... I'll, I'll keep digging, but I okay. think I, I think it was that pretty much any lineup, any combination of lineups with two guys, LeBron, AD, and Russ, have not had more than 56 minutes together. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And, like, that... I mean, that's the core of your team. That's where all the money's going. So you have to get those guys back together. And they haven't had time to experiment and see if it could work. Um, and during these times where AD's been hurt, LeBron's been hurt, they have been getting solid offensive production from role players like Malik Monk, Carmelo, and then even Avery Bradley. But bench player uh, production has been way too volatile to rely on them, um, especially down the stretch of games. And I think, like, Big picture, that's not the biggest issue. I think the biggest issue, like we've talked about, is just their defense. Their defense has been so terrible, especially down the stretch, and they've lost really close games. Like uh, early on in the season, they lost, they dropped a couple to the Thunder, right? Mm-hmm. Because of they blew like thirty point leads. It's just ridiculous. So, um, and that comes down to defense and effort, obviously. But like, how do you think they turn it around? You know, and I've said to you, and by the way, I just pulled this up. So let me just say, yeah, read it out. it's a uh, so. The best lineup the Lakers have is, and this is this is a lineup that's actually played together because they have lineups that are like plus two hundred netted out on a hundred possessions, but they mm-hmm. only played like two minutes together. Right. So any any real lineup that involves Anthony Davis and in, in their big three have at most played fifty three minutes together. So it's Carmelo, Russ, Avery Bradley, Anthony Davis, and THT. That's their best lineup. They've played seven games together, mm-hmm. fifty three total minutes, and they're plus eleven per hundred possessions. Okay. Which is really good actually. Yeah. Um and then they have 
there are other lineups that have the uh, the big three in it is LeBron, Russ, De- uh, DeAndre Jordan, AD, and Kent Bazemore. That lineup is horrible. They've played 47 minutes together. They're minus 14. Um, but <laughs> Carmelo, uh, ooh, Carmelo, Russ, Avery Bradley, Anthony Davis, and Malik Monk, a lineup with LeBron off the floor, has only played 37 minutes, and they're plus 18 per 100 possessions. Uh, and then another one with the big three is LeBron, Russ, Avery Bradley, Anthony Davis, and THT. They've played three games, 36 minutes, and they're plus seven per 100 possessions. So, I mean, and then another one is LeBron, Russ, DeAndre Jordan, Avery Bradley, Anthony Davis. They've played 28 minutes, and they're plus five per 100 possessions. So, like, I mean, the, the moral of the story, because those numbers are hard to track when you're listening. I know that kind of was a bunch of nonsense. They've not played together a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that will ultimately decide a lot yeah uh so i think my take and i think we kind of like i think we might disagree on it i i know we kind of talked about this before we hopped on uh i think that the lakers naturally as the la lakers they get a lot of coverage and everyone wants to talk about them i think it's been a lot overly dramatic in the sense that i don't i just don't even really expect much out of a team with LeBron, Russell Westbrook, and, and all their their depth players. I don't think like that's a that's fine. That's a five hundred team. Like mm-hmm. if that if that team was constructed with just those players, no AD, and just all those depth pieces and LeBron and Russ, like that's a five hundred team. They have no defense, and they're a lot older, and they're either going to make their shots and win games because they outscore opponents, or they're not. So like, I just don't really hold too much value in it when they don't have AD healthy. And that's obviously going to be the biggest question because mm-hmm. he hasn't been healthy for a minute. That has been playing well when he's been healthy. Either. Yeah, but it's like it's like the Clippers. How do you properly judge the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard? He's and I'm not comparing Kawhi and AD, but like those are certainly two of the 15 best players in the NBA. Yeah. How do you properly judge a team without one of the best players in the world at his position? I think I think you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier too when we we're talking about the Clippers, but I think those situations are a little bit different because on the Clippers, your two guys are. PG and then Kawhi while on the Lakers you do have three of those guys basically rather than two and I I'm not a person who wants Russ to leave I think he should stay on the team um but I don't know it's it's a little worrisome for me that even though AD is out you think that would increase Russ's offensive production even by a little bit but in the past three games um he shot 20% in that span, which, I mean, you're going to need more from him. You can't put even more pressure on those role players to make bigger plays. Uh, although, I will say, um, the past nine games, Malik Monk has been shooting 50%, over 50% from three-point line. Yeah, he's been he's so, been great. I mean... But I just, I just, you'd think that if 80's out, they'd lean a little bit more on Russ, but instead uh, they're leaning on LeBron to do everything, who's put up, I think he's averaging like 33 in his past something games yeah i mean i can't obviously i can't defend russ like he's been he's been bad lately um also like lebron i mean at the end of the day lebron's just gonna take control because it's it's lebron and it's his team but i push back on the clippers remark because my counter is that you have lebron ad and russ three guys who make up 90 what 90 something percent of your salary cap that's fair you have and a, you have Kawhi and pg and then you have players like reggie jackson marcus morris luke Kennard, terrence mann eric bledsoe i mean marcus morris reggie jackson 
I mean, well, Marcus Morris is like in the 14, 15, 16 million dollar range. Same with Luke Kennard. Like the Lakers don't have players like that. I think yeah, it's, it's thirty five million plus or minimum. Mm-hmm. So the depth is like, I think inherently off. So I think without one of the, and that's the risk they took when they have three aging uh, superstars, or or if you don't want to call uh, Russ a superstar anymore, just like three aging stars. It's if one's out, like what do you like? You can't expect much out of your team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I think that's fair. I think the depth argument is very valid, but I don't know. I I still think at the end of the day that would help improve Russ's production. That's just yeah. That's, I, I that's agree. That's kind of my view. I totally agree. It should, and unfortunately, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. It, yeah, it is what it is, and I think they're definitely going to figure it out once uh, AD gets back in the swing of things. Hopefully, that's pretty soon. It's mm-hmm. got to be pretty soon at this point, right? Because he was out before our winter break, which is four weeks ago. I think his timetable was six weeks. I think he'll be back soon. Um, and if I mean, this is obviously a big if. Anyone can say this, but if if AD returns to you know top fifteen form. And he becomes a better jump shooter, then I think the Lakers are just as scary as any team when they get into yeah, the playoffs. That, I think that's the key, and I think yeah. that's something we'll get into in a little bit. But that's um, a big if, though. Super big if, but hopefully, like you said, hopefully he comes back soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that leads me to my last team. This one I was debating even putting on the list, but the only reason why I put them on the list is because they've been consistently reaching the playoffs for like the past eight years, seven, eight years. Uh, it's the Trailblazers. Yeah. That situation is kind of understandable just in itself. Like Dame, there was a lot of speculation he was going to leave um, at the beginning of the season. Um, right now, uh, he's out with, I think, an ankle injury. And he got sur- surgery, right? Yeah, he got surgery. So now, like, you're basically leaning on CJ McCollum. And yeah, that, I mean, that, that's not going to get the job done. And, like, very similar to. I don't expect much out, um, of, out of them. Who are we talking about with poor team composition? Uh, I can't really remember. But, the, like, their team is just not good. Like, their roster is just not a very solid roster. So Who were we talking about? Wait, that. It, it was someone. Was oh, it? the Celtics? Yes, I, I think so, yeah. And I'd argue that the Trailblazers is even worse than that. But Yeah. Uh, I, to, just to piggyback off that, I agree. I think, like, obviously, the, the, the explanation is pretty in your face. Yeah, uh, self-explanatory. You know, no, no Dame. However, Dame did not look like Dame. In the games that he played, I think he started to right before he got yeah. hurt, and then it's unfortunate the timing. But yeah, for sure at the beginning of the season, I think what did you say that people were trashing on Russ for his three point percentage, but then Dame had a lesser three point percentage than Russ did at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, also, pretty funny, um, just because just to just to get back to the Lakers, um, everybody's like, "Oh, the Lakers, why didn't they just trade for Buddy Heald? Buddy Heald has been horrible this He's year. Like, the, I can assure you, the Lakers." If the Lakers could choose between Buddy Heald and Malik Monk, they're better with Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. Like Malik Monk has been better, especially in the starting lineup. Malik Monk has been yeah. really, really, yeah. really good. So I just I want to throw that out there. But to get back to the Blazers, uh, I feel bad for Chauncey Billups. That sucks. Mm-hmm. First job, like just never. It's like it's one of those NFL things. Like you know, you're first time head coach and you just take over this falling like this crumbling franchise, and then you're fired for it. Like David Coley. Like well, it also almost reminds me of. Uh... Jason Kidd's first job. Yeah, exactly. On the Nets. Like, exactly. It just wasn't a good situation for him. But um, And he was a former player, so it's like very similar parallels. But I mean, I don't know. I think that if you're the, the Trailblazers, at least you can say we're going to, you know, we're going to find out how good Anthony Simmons is and, you know, I, I whoever can't, else. Yeah. yeah, I can't really go say much from there. I mean, they signed Dennis Smith Jr. to a long term or to a contract, but 
He's pretty much just an athlete, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, the, te- the team is the issue is, is like the team is old, mm-hmm. and they like CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, Nurkic, uh, Robert Covington. You know, you're, like you're paying money to players that are getting older. Yeah. So, I think they're missing the playoffs, hundred percent. Not I would playing. Ag- I would agree. If I were to, if I were to look at the, they're taking the tenth tenth spot, aren't they? Right yeah, now, yeah, they're right now. They're in tenth. Kings are right behind them. Spurs behind them. Pelicans, Thunder, and then the Rockets, who have no shot. But like those, especially those last two. But I'm gonna say, realistically, realistically, if Zion comes back, the Pelicans take that tenth spot. I'm gonna make a little bold prediction and say the Thunder outplay themselves once again and and get a little tenth spot contention going down the line. That'd be really cool, actually. Dude, who did they... They smacked the crap out of someone last night. The Nets. They smacked the crap out of the Nets. Did they really, actually? Yeah. That's yeah. so weird, too, because, I mean, the Nets just smacked the crap out of the Bulls the other night by 26, who were the first seed, like we mentioned. And yeah. then to lose to uh, the Thunder, we're all... There was no KD. There was no KD. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay. but uh, I mean, either way, you still have Harden. It was Kyrie playing. No, I don't oh, believe okay. so. Uh, there in Brooklyn. Yeah, it, oh, it okay. was just Harden. But okay. I mean, SGA had thirty-three. Josh Kitty had nineteen. By the way, Josh Kitty is so he's, he's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and James and uh, I mean, Lou Dort had twenty-seven. Hit six threes. Dude, Lou Dort is coming into his own as a he's, scorer. I love he's it. So cool. I love him. I think it's so cool that it came full circle and that his NBA his fifteen seconds of fame started as a bubble playoff player who was forced to take threes and decide the playoff series and yep. ultimately missed them all. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's become a great 3-and-D yep. player. I guess that just Great's a little strong, his, but he's a good 3-and-D player. Yeah, his work ethic, right? Yeah, exactly. got in the gym. He's sick. I, I love that guy. Yeah, that's super cool. Seeing him on campus back in the day. Dude, I remember because he actually lived in my building. Yep, I would see him at the pod. Yeah, and I remember walking into the dining hall one night, and like he walks in and... like. Just his presence, I was like, dude. And, like, he's, I think he's, he's like, huge. Just, just about our height, though, but his yeah. shoulders are so broad, and he's just obviously so built. I was like, oh, my gosh. He's so huge. Have you seen him play soccer, by the way? Is he good? He's from uh, French Canada, yeah. right? Yeah, he's okay. crazy. Uh, I, can, I would not want to be guarded by that man. No, not at all. The the door chamber? Yeah, the torture chamber? Uh, let's go Let's go four questions. Okay. You want to do that? So let's do that. We're, as you're going to see when you listen to the episode before, we did uh, four questions for the NFL. Um, four questions that we think we're going to decide the, the you know the way the NFL playoffs shake out, yep. and we're going to carry it over to the NBA. Let's let's yep. go four questions as of right now, um, and we'll pick this back up when it comes to NBA playoff time. But four questions as of right now that we think are going to define the NBA season, and okay. there may be some some uh, redundancy, so we'll just yeah. we'll go back and forth and we'll we'll see we'll share them if we need to. Can we start? Yeah, you start. Okay, so I said. Now that Kyrie may officially be back for both home and away games, are the Nets the surefire favorite to win the East? I'm just going to say what my second question was word for word, and Mm -hmm. we're going to answer them both at the same time. Okay. Can you repeat your question so I can... Yeah. So, now that Kyrie may officially be back for both home and away games, are the Nets the surefire favorite to win the East? Okay. So, my question was, can you win a championship with a part-time player? Mm. And then the second part of the question... Or is this wagon going to fall apart? Okay, so pretty similar. Yeah. I, I, I'm i not sure. I, I'd heard that he may have an opportunity to play games in Brooklyn again. It, sh- sure it just how depends how the, the regulation, I mean, like mm-hmm. the, the COVID. How lax it becomes. Yeah, okay. exactly. That's we, we have no way of predicting that, I guess. Right. Um, I, th- I mean, 
I think it could win if he's allowed to play in no way games. I think they got to. That's huge. I mean, if you, even if you have him for like two back to back games while you're away, he's he's so good. If you can take two games in yeah. in a way stadium, like that's absolutely massive. Plus, like you just said, like Kyrie's probably one of the most fun NBA players to watch. Yeah, I have. I, I mean, if someone walks up to me and says like Kyrie Irving's the most skilled NBA player to ever play, like I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, I have no, I have no formidable argument. He just moves so fluid with the yeah. ball; it's unbelievable. It's the I feel the exact same way, and obviously for different reasons. Like if someone were to walk up to me and be like, Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback ever, like how am I going to argue? Yeah, man? Like what am I? What am I going to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would agree. I think that the Brooklyn Nets can. However, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what version of Harden we get. Harden had a very weird start, and a lot of it was like the rules adjustment right. people were saying, mm-hmm. and then he caught fire this, these last, yeah. like what, like seven, eight games. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, this is another team that, as we saw last year when it kind of came falling apart, very top-heavy, very top-heavy, yeah. three players that really dominate uh, their production. Mm-hmm. However, they unlike the Lakers, have... Well, actually, no, the Lakers have Malik Monk, but the, the Nets have, you know, Patty Mills, uh, Nick Claxton, yep. and uh, uh, who's the... Why can't I think of the, the wing that takes all the floaters? Oh. What's uh, his name? Uh, he just he literally just sprints into the middle of the key and takes... takes uh, Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they have, say, they have some... <clears throat> they have some depth. And also mm-hmm. Lamarck Saldridge. Yeah, and then you also have Blake Griffin. Yeah, oh, like, I forgot about Blake Griffin. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that they. I, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how these these three stars are able to to work this out together. And also, I, I personally, because I truly believe Kevin Durant's the best player in the world, I think Harden will be the X factor for this team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It'd be a weird adjustment to only have him for, you know, away games. Yeah. If, if that continues to be the trend, but um, are they the surefire favorite in your mind? That's that's a tough one. Yes. Yeah. Surefire is a strong word. Like, can Mm -hmm. I I just say they are the favorite? Okay. In my mind, like in my mind right now, if like gun to my head, who's winning the NBA Finals? I would put my life on the Nets as of right now. I think that's the only comfortable decision. That's fair. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. at least. Uh, All right, I like that one. I will just mention though that the Bucks did beat the Warriors by like thirty something the other night. Yeah. So that's. Oh, I I think that. Actually, let's just start it off with. Let me just follow it up with this question. This is my this was my second question. Okay. Are the are the defending champs underrated? I think so. I think so too. I think they are because I just did it. I just underrated them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very easy to do. I think also just part of that is their small market. You no, know, you don't get a lot of coverage on Milwaukee teams. I think also to to expand off that, I think a lot of people internalize in their head that. They would not have been in the finals had one of those guys stayed healthy, or if Katie or were, if Katie's or foot's smaller. Yeah, exactly. Status, yeah. yeah. So I think that there's a little context added to that. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to McCarran Airport. We were watching that game Dude, in the airport. So stressful. On, waiting on for our luggage to come yeah. out. Uh, oh, but it's now uh, Harry Reid International Airport. I forgot about that. Yep. I forgot about that. Um, but I think that they're underrated. I, I think I think it's pretty interesting that you you don't see it much. Is um? Do we know if Middleton's back yet? Is he back playing, or is he still out? I, th- I thought he. I thought he would played last night. Okay. And I think Drew Holiday's out. Okay, so they do have a player. May- I mean, maybe that kind of yeah. Drew Holiday's out. Factors into it too, but yeah, they for sure are underrated, which I think is weird. Um, 
Jack and I also just had the TV on, and NBA Today happens to be on, and I just saw they were doing a segment, and to win the finals, the Bucks were at 750, plus 750, which really? I think was, if I remember what it was, they were like fourth on the list. You're kidding. Yeah. So, pretty crazy that they are underrated that much, especially because they are the champion, like Jack mentioned, but that's what happens, I guess, when you're in such a small market. Also, let me just say, uh, Giannis... He's shooting the ball pretty well from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. That's something to watch. Is he still taking his ten seconds? Do we know? I really that's that's a good question. I gotta I gotta uh, watch more, and then I'll be able to mm-hmm. to know. However, like last night, I think he he was eight for twelve from the free throw line. Uh, that's that's huge for playoff yeah. games, especially. Yeah, exactly. So that's something to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, what was my, your next question? My second question is: If Ben Simmons does get traded to a contender before the deadline. Do you think that he can add value to the offensive game, or is his self-confidence going to be at an all-time low? Because he could be a huge piece for a contender. My question would be, what contender is even trading for him? That would be my follow-up question. Okay, fair enough. And then I would answer it. I would answer that question by saying, yeah, I think Ben Simmons could be very good for the Sixers. I think that he could help them a lot. Yeah, I think so too. But they're twenty three and seventeen. I think that he could help them a lot. All the bridges are burned. I mean, Philadelphia. I think I I agree. I think that they're it's pretty far past. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like what's the word? Uh, like uh, recovery time, I guess. Yeah. But if if Ben Simmons had the right people around him, and I'm not like who I don't even know like who he surrounds himself with. I mean, Rich Paul is his, his agent, right? Yeah. I think that they would say, like, you really should just sack up and just talk, like, and just own up for struggling mentally yeah. and, and playing bad and, like, not being able to step into the moment, and you should just play for the Sixers and, because they're, like, legitimately one piece away from being very good. Yeah, and he ultimately screwed him out of a conference finals. Yeah, and, I mean, I think there's, there's questions to be asked whether Ben Simmons and... Uh, Joel and Bede can truly like win together because I think that their their skill sets probably take away from each other, similar to like how Tatum's and Browns could. Yeah, maybe like, different ways, but uh-huh. I mean Joel and Bede's a one of like he's a one like a once in a generation like low post player. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're not we're not going to see as dominant of a low post player for a minute. Yeah, in in the NBA, this is this is like an almost thirty a night guy in the low post with a with a jump shot. Mm-hmm. So I I think that he could add a lot for the the Sixers, but I don't really know. Because I, I just don't think, if he's getting traded, I don't know what, what contender is taking a risk on him. Yeah. The, like, the, the talk of the town was, like, the Warriors. Why, like, why would the Warriors break up what they had? Warriors wouldn't need him. And then there They're was too good. talk about the Blazers. Sorry to cut you off, too. But I, either team, it doesn't make sense now. Like, why, if you're the Blazers, why do you bring in Ben Simmons in Exactly. So, I don't know. Pacers? Maybe. You like, know what I mean? Do the, do the Pacers get him and then they get Sabonis or they get some of those young guys? I. But, I don't know. But even the Pacers, I mean, like, you're shot at the playoffs. Oh, well, yeah, but then I I, I I should have clarified that. I didn't mean a contender. I just meant oh, okay, more so, like, a, a team who, that, that would trade for him. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Because that would, that would be fun for the Sixers. I mean, they could get a, a valuable asset from the Pacers. Uh-huh. And I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier, not on the pod, but uh, the Sixers also are trying to package Tobias Harris with Ben Simmons, which, like... Don't understand that. No suitors are going to be able to take on those two contracts. Don't don't understand that one. Very odd, but um. What? Anyway, sorry to digress. But like, what's your what's your third question? Oh, my third question yeah, that's, was that's it was right. a it was a fill in the blank. Okay. So I'm gonna have you answer it. 
the bull's ceiling is blank. Hmm. In terms of what? Just what do you think is the ceiling on how they can play this year, realistically, um, on how far they can go, like what their team is is capable of doing? I think I think the furthest I could see them going second round of playoffs. Okay. I think I think they're really good, but I also think this is the first year that. I mean, a lot of those players will even be playing in the playoffs, and then this is their first year, like, kind of, basically their first year together as a team um, for a lot of the players, because a lot of players are new. So I think there is some veterans who have been in the playoffs, like even Caruso, uh, DeRozan, I'm not sure. Caruso's an NBA champion. That, yeah, that is true, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vucevic. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think they've already made such a big leap. I don't know if the leap can get any bigger than that. I, I would, I totally see what you're saying, 100%. Um, but if DeMar DeRozan keeps this going, and they're playing, and, and he's playing like that into well into the playoffs, which has been his issue, he's mm-hmm. not been a great playoff player in, mm-hmm. his, in his career. I'd be very curious to see who could beat them. You know what yeah. I mean? If they're playing at their best, yeah. Because I don't think the Nets would walk right through him if DeMar DeRozan's playing his best. Zach Levine's playing. Well, I mean, Lonzo, like we had just mentioned, great defender. I mean, their t- their team yeah. is pretty complete in terms of the range that they can play at. Yeah, I was just about to say too. Like defensively, they're a pretty good team. And Caruso, Caruso, Lonzo, like those two guards flying around. Yeah, they'd be terrible. Yeah, it'd be terrible to play against in the playoff series. I don't know. I think that's I think that's a very interesting one. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out, how the rest of the season kind of um, finishes, because I think there's like actually another forty one games. Or right, because pretty much forty one exactly. Yeah, we're forty two in. So. Teams have played like anywhere from thirty six games to like forty two. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically, another half of the season left. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting, interesting to see how um, some of these good teams and some of the struggling teams that we mentioned actually finish. One hundred percent. So that's all that matters, actually. Um, all right. So moving along, my third question is. So now that Clay Thompson, and this is something you mentioned earlier, and I was I wanted to bring it up so bad while we were talking about it, but I wanted to save it for this segment. But uh, So now that Clay Thompson is officially back to playing with the Warriors because he made his debut the other night, mm-hmm. will he actually have a negative effect on the team chemistry that has been built up to this point? That's a really great question. I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really phenomenal question. Um, did you did you happen to see uh, that little clip that's – I mean, it's, it's obviously nothing. It's pl- playing basketball. It happens all the time. Uh, the clip of Clay Thompson – kind of like getting pretty pissed on the court when Curry airballed like his second three of the day. No, I didn't actually see that. I saw him yelling at a ref in another clip, but not that one. Curry had like, I mean, and once again, like Curry has not played too well uh, this past couple stretch. Yeah. But uh, Curry had a point during one of their recent games. Uh, let me see which one it was. I, th- I, w- I think it might have been the Cleveland game, which was his first game back. Mm-hmm. Or it could have been uh, against Milwaukee I s- that I saw the clip. But... Maybe it was the Memphis game. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. Uh, but he was forcing three after three, and he airballed like his second one in, in his like five, in five shots. Mm-hmm. And Clay was like, the whole offense wasn't even set, and Clay had, and Steph had already let the shot off. And Clay like kind of like turned around and like threw his hands up and just like shook his head and just like threw him down and like got back on defense and like just like visibly looked very pissed off like with what was going on. But, I mean, that's basketball. I get you. Get, yeah, it, it, there's going to be some ebb and flow with yeah. how you play on a daily basis. But that is funny because I know, like, I did watch his um, comeback game against the Cavs. 
and he was taking. I mean, obviously, it's your first game back, so you're going to take some very questionable shots. And they were trying to get him comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's going to be understanding of that, but at the same time, you have to realize that you play with Steph Curry, and he's going to have nights where he's not shooting well because he takes such a low percentage shot. Like, and he's so good at it. That's the risk you take. Every, that, every yeah, night. exactly. So I mean, that's tough. But I'm just like when I when I wrote that question, I was just kind of thinking like you mentioned. You've been getting some really good output from like Jordan Poole and some of these younger guys. Um, it's interesting him coming in now. He's going to be demanding more shots and demanding the ball, which, I mean, he's Clay Thompson. He should be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what they've been doing is working and they've been winning and they're second in the uh, Western Conference right behind the sun. So kind of interesting. I agree. You'd hate for it to um, kind of mess them up in a playoff game or a big moment. You would hate for it to take away from what they had with Wiggins and Jordan Poole because yeah. I think those two things were truly what like cover it up. Oh wow, that's what I did I'm when sorry. I started losing my hair. This and is I really mad playing on the computer. Actually... Oh man, <laughs> uh, because that truly what was contributing to, you know what I mean? Like that, that was like their X factor. I mean, yeah. obviously, I think it goes without saying that Draymond is like the true. Like the, the, he's a glue. He's like the what's what's dumping the coal into the engine of like yeah. the, the the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jordan Poole took a massive step with, as a player, and Andrew Wiggins is probably playing his be- his best year as a pro. Yeah, he should be an all star. So that's a really great question. Honestly, I'm glad that I would not have had the nuts to really question it. But it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, similar to our last question we talked about, it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of plays out and if they actually like if he kind of works his way in, it makes sense, or if it, like it's kind of disruptive. Yeah. And also, it was the Grizzlies game because I just remembered that Jaw hit a ridiculous off-balanced and one layup to, to clinch the game. So, like, every game? Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was, like, three nights ago, but that was crazy. Um, Your last question, sir. My last question kind of ties in. It's it's sort of similar to the Warriors talk, so we're just going to keep it going. Um, my last question is, who truly runs the Western Conference? I think we have two, and, it, and that's, like, that's a bad way to put it, but... You got the Suns right here, thirty-one and nine, the best record in the NBA. They're red hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the Warriors right behind them, thirty and eleven. And obviously, like the Jazz have been there. I don't think a lot of people really take them too seriously right. when it comes to the playoff time. Mm-hmm. And then you know we have players all over the place. I mean, Jokic might be the best player in the NBA, leading the Nuggets right now. Um, you know, you have the Grizzlies who are truly truly red hot and seem seemingly can beat anybody in the nba mm-hmm. uh but maybe do for a regression you know you got the mavericks led by luca you got the lakers and the, the clippers both in kind of limbo until Sleeping they get their giants, yeah, yeah until they get their guys back so like who i don't want to say like who's the the favorite of the west because i think that's a little too simplistic but like who who runs the west like what do you who's the gatekeeper do you think i mean just to be fair, right now, I just give it to the Suns. I mean, they did go to the finals last year. I think kind of a similar conversation like we were having about the Bucks. I think a lot of people kind of count them out just because they're so young. I mean, um, and like a lot of people see their title run kind of as a fluke. So I think a lot of people count them out. But right now, I mean, 31-9, and nine, like you mentioned, sitting at the first seed, I think you kind of just have to give them like the props where they're due, you know? Their depth is freaky. Their depth is crazy. It's really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um I would agree. However, part of me, like when I think about it in my head, I think I would like if we have first round. Like obviously, this would never happen because these are probably going to be the two seeds. If we got Suns Warriors 
Like, I, I, I like the Warriors. I like their... I like their, a lot of experience. Yeah, I like their experience. Mm-hmm. I like the, Steph and Clay. Yeah. I, I like Draymond in that series. I like their physicality. Can't count on CP3 in the playoffs. Usually. Had a good and, run last I was year. just going to say, I kind of just trust them more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... I would agree that the Suns are being underrated, and it sucks because like we're in Phoenix, like we're right. in Arizona right now as we're recording this. Yeah, exactly. They're they're supposed to be our team, but this, the Warriors are freaky, man. And the Warriors are literally a couple hours away from at some point trading three first round prospects for another player. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could. Like we mentioned earlier, they could get rid of Wiseman, who very tantalizing prospect yeah. for a lot of teams. So. so I don't know. I, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna take the opposite side. And I'm gonna say the Warriors. Okay. I'm gonna say the Warriors are are running the show right now. And I, I, I think there's some basis to both for sure. There is. And and will the I might be wrong. I, didn't the Warriors beat the Suns the last two times they played? Uh, I think the Warriors won on Christmas Day, but I think the Suns won before that. Uh, if I'm right, I could be wrong. So the 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 Suns won the first matchup November yeah. 30th, mm-hmm. and the Warriors have won have kind of kicked the crap out of them the last two December okay, 3rd and so. Christmas Day gotcha so int- it'll be interesting mm-hmm. we'll see do you have another question no, that was, I do have that one and one. it's it's pretty tailored to you because I just want to kind of see what you think but so before the upcoming trade deadline can Russ break out of his slump and prove to the Lakers that it will be necessary to keep him on that roster um I really really hope so I think that I think that trading him would just I think it's just a bad idea I don't really know what you get out of it um Personally, I, I don't really see what makes sense of it. As I kind of said, I, I don't really expect much out of them without Anthony Davis. It's like, mm-hmm. how are you going to judge that factor of the equation when it's just like not a complete team? Mm-hmm. But you know, I, don't, I, I really don't know. I could see them, I could see them freaking out and making a move. I think that's like very LeBron teamish of of him to to make the mid season move that ultimately does end up. Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Lifting their 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 ceiling, it's pretty st- like standard of him to make that mid mid season move. So I wouldn't be surprised if something's coming. However, I'm gonna lean and say they keep Russ, and they trade Tht, and I think it might be Jeremy Grant. Okay, I so think I think it's gonna be Jeremy Grant. I know that we've talked about they also wanted to get rid of DeAndre Jordan, also uh, Kent Bazemore, who yeah. Those like will you be mentioned, have been yeah. terrible yeah. Uh, when they've been on the court. But like you, also THC hasn't been good um, for the past couple of months. He's been super inefficient. So getting rid of him, I think, kind of makes sense, especially because they are basically in win now mode. Yeah, couple like LeBron and Russ are kind of aging. Uh, oh, I mean this this is it's coming to an end for LeBron. Though. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they got to make they got to do something. Well, it's hard. It's kind of hard to say that when he's putting up the numbers that he is. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, of but, course, of course. But you know what I mean. Though. Yeah, no, hundred percent. He's got a, a yeah. couple, maybe one more like good year left. Maybe I don't know. Also, like his the mobility of the Lakers and improving their team is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. So like he's truly got a pretty small yeah. window that they can make this work. Hundred percent, and that's why I was actually going to ask you if the Lakers were were to trade Russ, who would even who would make that trade. And who would they get in return? I think is the bigger question that could actually improve their team. Yeah, I, I honestly like I, I don't even think it's a realistic trade. I, I think it would require an off season mm-hmm. um, to, to work it all out. But let me think about this right now. Um, What's his deal? Do you know? He's getting paid a lot of money. He's like the second highest paid player in the NBA. How many years? He's got two. He's got two year. It's forty five million a year. Two okay. years. Um, I don't 
man, I really do not know how it would work. It would be such a weird deal. Like, I think it'd be tough to find a suitor and tough to get the, anyone that's going to make the Sixers. But like, why would they do that? I, and I, I don't think for they Simmons, would a swap Russ for Simmons. I think to, like Tobias would be in it. I don't know. I don't know what they would want. I really don't know, and I don't know who would have to throw picks. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like if it's Simmons and it's Russ, then the, the Lakers are gonna have to throw picks, mm-hmm. and they're not gonna do that because they can't. Right. If it's Tobias, but why would they get rid of Tobias and keep Ben Simmons if he's not even playing? And then if you look at the Lakers, who do they have at point guard? LeBron. <laughs> yeah, that's all. very true, uh, I guess. But, I mean. I mean, I I genuinely don't even know who could match the salary. Like, the only legitimate options who can match the salary, if it's the one player, unless you're thinking, like, packaging a bunch of players, which is just beyond my head right now. Mm -hmm. It would be, like, Kristaps or, like, which I just don't see. Yeah, that'd be gross. Or, like, I I, I don't even know. Like, the, the only other option would be the Pacers, and that would just be a mix of players. Yeah. That... And, I, and Sabonis is obviously worth more than Russ. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I don't think they could even make that work. I really don't know. That's a great question. I don't think they're going to trade him. If they do, I'd be very surprised. Be, I think it'd just be very complicated. To do I think they would just take a step back, and then yeah. they, then they would kind of like be admitting that they're going to have to rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that perfectly takes us into our next segment, talking about the trade deadline. Yeah, I so think it does. Who are your teams to watch when it comes to trades? I have four listed. I know there's more. Um, I know we've talked about the Pacers, the Sixers, um, the Lakers, and I also have the Trailblazers. Um, I'm I'm gonna say no Blazers because I think okay. that that's an off season thing. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna stick. I I think the Pacers is very very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like the Mavericks because they're fun to to think of trade uh, destinations, but I don't really know if I see it. Um, let me think. Uh. I like the Celtics, but okay. that that yeah, would require that would require a gamble. Yeah, and this isn't this is a, a very bold one. What if the Grizzlies are like, all right, we're all in. Like, all right, they want to make a push for the yeah, tip like, this year. Like, all right, we're in, and we and they make a move. What would they do? Where do you think? What direction do you think they would go? In? I, I, I'm just I don't know let, let me just let me let me mull this over I think that there's a couple moves that make sense right off the bat um, now this I don't really know about however if the Pacers are ready to get off Sabonis I think a natural suitor and there could be some some foreign uh, white tall player influence would be the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> uh, but a deal where you got Sabonis coming to Dallas and you're trading I mean, you'd be for the Mavericks. You'd be trading a lot of depth, but you're trading Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleber, and Dorian Finney-Smith with some picks. Mm-hmm. I think that trade could work. It could be appealing. However, I don't know if you're the Mavericks if like you want to get rid of all your depth and, and dump it into being, you know, the team that has three players that eat up all their salary cap. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's an interesting one to watch. Don't know if it's going to happen. Do you think there's any scenario in which they? Instead of a couple of those uh, depth players, they throw in Kristaps. The thing is, though, is Kristaps uh, earns a lot more money than okay. Sabonis. Okay. So oh, like, really? Does he really? Yeah. Like oh, Sabonis wow. is on like a twenty million a year deal right, right now, and mm-hmm. and Kristaps is getting like thirty four. That's that's crazy. So I think that that would take a lot more 
movement from the Mavericks. To, and it doesn't make sense for the Pacers. Yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah, exactly. Why, if you're going to rebuild, why do you want to pay Kristaps? You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that one's interesting to just to think about. Yeah. Now, this one would take a lot of picks. And I don't know if they're willing to do it. But what if the Celtics call the Mavericks and say, we get it. Like, this isn't like we're, we're going downwards, but we need to recoup assets and get ready to be able to move. Mm-hmm. You give me Kristaps, I'll give you Jalen Brown, and just hand over the, the ship of picks. That'd be interesting. Jalen Brown to, Jaylen to the Brown. Mavericks. Oh, playing how, next to Luca. Yes, with how good he is. And that gives you a, that gives the, the Mavericks a true, true perimeter defender. Yeah, I think that one's interesting. That'd be interesting, but then you'd have to think about their big situation. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, uh, no, I I love their who's their uh, Dwight Powell, right? Yeah, he's there. I I love that guy. Let's uh, see. I know as a as a rim protector. They actually okay. They do have Willie Cauley Stein, who actually yeah. I'm fine with. Um, he's in his prime, and then. They actually do play Boban Marjanovic mm-hmm. quite a decent amount, which is kind of funny. To think I mean, he's about. he's a hack under the rim. Yeah, and Dwight Powell, like you mentioned. So I guess I guess they're fine there. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that one? I think that one's pretty fun. No, I think that one would be huge, especially to have next to Luca, like you mentioned, because um, Jalen Brown is a great, great perimeter defender. Yeah. Um, also, again, as we mentioned, can score it whenever he wants to. Yeah. Uh, they also do have Jalen Brunson, who's been playing really good this year. Yeah, exactly. So to have those three plus like the bigs we mentioned and Tim Hardaway Jr., who's been like a solid piece for them for the past couple of years, it would give some alleviation to Luca too for ball handling purposes. Yeah, absolutely, because Jalen Brown can handle the ball if you mm-hmm. need to. Yeah. Uh, I think for the Celtics on that side of the deal, I don't know if they would say yes. I don't know if that would be the most appealing offer out there. Mm-hmm. True. But I think you can talk yourself into saying. We're not going to be horrible. We're not going to be the worst team in the NBA. We have, we still have some talent. We have Jason Tatum. Yeah. We get a contract that's tradable, and we get a bunch of first-round picks. Right. So we can either make our picks, but assumably these Dallas picks are going to not be that valuable considering they're going to be good, mm-hmm. or we can just package them and start improving this roster, you know yeah. what I mean, and start building. Yeah. So that one's interesting, I think, for me. And then one more that I threw in for fun is uh wait where'd it go? Sorry, I'm all over the place. Let me find it. Okay, uh, this one, I don't really know how this would work, but if the Grizzlies were to call the Pacers or the Celtics mm-hmm. and just have two separate conversations and say, "Let me start this off. You're not getting John Morant." And you're not, and you're not getting Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Do you, so they allow Desmond Bain to be in these conversations. Yes. Okay. You're, you're not getting. Yeah. You're not getting John Moran. You're not getting Jaron Jackson. What does it take to get Miles Turner? What does it take to get Demo, uh, Sabonis? Mm-hmm. What does it take to get Jalen Brown? Mm-hmm. Where do those conversations go? Uh, and, I mean, and who hangs up first? And the Grizzlies say, "I get it. You're not getting John Moran. You're not getting Jaron Jackson. You're giving away a great player." We're going to be giving you a lot, a lot of first-round picks and salaries that add up. So, I think out of you, the teams you mentioned were Pacers and Celtics, yeah? I just think those are the two hot teams that can be selling. I think Celtics hang up first. I agree. Um, 
But a little I more think, stubborn. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the Grizzlies, they potentially could go after a couple of the players you mentioned. I think Stephen Adams, you could probably trade him. Um, I think he's kind of still a relevant name. He's only 28, which sounds wild to say because I feel like he's been in the NBA for a bajillion years at this point. He's also a big salary. That the matching the salaries, Stephen Adams really really helps out with that. Yeah, exactly. Then you could also throw in names like. Uh, Jarrett Culver, who was a high draft pick out of Texas Tech, who's super young too, hasn't really amounted to much um, through his couple years in the league. Um, I mean, maybe you throw in Kyle Anderson, I feel like you could move either him or you could also look at, I think, I don't know, this would be tough, but you could also look at moving Dylan Brooks. So here's, I, I agree, and, and what about this one? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one more at you, mm-hmm. just for the sake. Uh, what do you think of the Memphis Grizzlies calling the Hawks and saying, once again, no jaw, no Jaron Jackson. Mm-hmm. We know that the, that there's likely going to be some issues with John Collins. He just signed his deal. He's not happy already. Right. Him and Trey are, have friction. Yeah, it's clear that like there's there's some issues, especially recently. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you give me John Collins. Which, by the way, his trade exception expires tonight at midnight. Okay. Uh, you give me John Collins, his, and he has $23 million in salary. We'll match it. We'll give you Dylan Brooks, which is $13 million, Desmond Bain, another $2 million. And if those add up, I don't, I don't think they would. I don't know if the Hawks can absorb that. We can, we can like kind of mess around and maybe throw in like Kyle Anderson, or we can throw whoever it is. Essentially, you're getting Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, or you're getting like a combination of, of some sort of players like that. Mm-hmm. I'm getting John Collins and you're getting a bunch of picks. So here's I'm, I'm, I'll let I'll let the Hawks like build this team properly. Yeah. You know what I mean? The ish like the worry that I would have, I don't know if I'd be willing to package both Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain. In, very very good point. I'd be super worried about that. I'd be fine with getting rid of Kyle Anderson. Also though, I think that um why can't I think of his name? Who did you just mention? John Collins? Yeah. So I think Although he's not nearly as good, obviously, I think Brandon Clark plays a very similar role mm-hmm. in being that kind of the power forward that has a great vertical, great offense yeah. rebounding, that kind of stuff. It's a good, good point. Very obviously, John Collins is a lot better than Brandon Clark is. Well, um, how about this? What about trade out Brandon Clark, Steven Adams, and Desmond Payne? As long, I think as long as you're retaining either Desmond Bain, who looks very promising, or Dylan Brooks, I think that's fine. Especially if you're getting rid of Brandon Clark. As long as that works with the Hawks, I think I'd do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If, do you think they'd want um, Stephen Adams, though? I think that's the salary filler, and I think that okay. the first-round picks make up for it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see that happening. I like that one, actually. Mm-hmm. I think John. I, I think a John Morant, I mean, John Morant, uh, Jaron Jackson, John Collins lineup scary young very very athletic yeah very quick too mm-hmm. yeah that'd be that'd be worrisome for a lot of teams especially in the west you meet them in the uh the playoffs that'd be that'd be scary scary definitely that that uh that pretty much rounds out all my my trade suggestions i i tried to make one for the lakers but my my intuition says jeremy grant if they're gonna make a move i think miles turner is another really good option i don't know if they'd have that'd, enough yeah that'd be tough yeah um but he would be so nice on that team, though. He would be huge for defense. Um, but like you mentioned, I think THC would probably be that prospect that they look at shipping out. Yeah, um, I, I think you mentioned his trade clause expires tonight at midnight. Yep. Also, okay. exactly. 
So that's that's kind of huge. And then the other teams that I was just kind of thinking of, we mentioned the Pacers. They could literally blow up that entire team. Um, Tomorrow. Yeah, shipping out Miles Turner, Sabonis, Levert, or, and Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talked about him before, but the Ben Simmons thing, Tobias Harris thing, it seems unfeasible, but also could happen. Yep. Could happen. I agree. The Ben Simmons, I, I don't know. I think that's an off-season thing again. Okay. So you think they wait and he just sits? That's that just of, like that kind of blows. that's such a big trade to, to to navigate in the middle of the season. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. For for both sides, I mean, now you're going to ramp up Ben Simmons, who hasn't played in two months, and, and put him out there. Like it just it's it's could, so tough. Could be some desperate desperate teams though. There, there for sure could be. The, the good thing though about Ben Simmons, if you're trading for him, is he has four years under contract now, and next year you're still going to have three years under contract. So there's no rush right. to have to that's trade true. for him. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you want to let his value kind of kind of dwindle down some more i think you can do you think maury would let that happen i feel like he'd be he's pretty, very smart yeah he's very smart i think he'd also be very uh stubborn in yeah. what he'd want he's very smart i think that whatever happens the sixers are going to win this trade I, yeah i just Somehow, think that, some way. that's just the way daryl maury works like they're just, they're gonna have to figure they're gonna figure out a way to win this i also think that had harden gotten traded to the Sixers. It'd be so good. That'd be an insane team. Not that he's not insane in uh, yeah, Brooklyn, I mean, they would, they would but be I mean, so good. would be crazy. But I mean, I think that's I think that's all we have for you guys today on the NBA. It was, it was good to talk about some NBA ball. We haven't in quite some time. So yeah, That was very fun. I'm very glad we did that. Uh, we likely will have a uh, another NBA uh, pod coming pretty soon, and we'll definitely be recapping NFL next week, oh, yeah. like we said. Mm-hmm. So uh, enjoy a little two-podcast uh uh, um, back to back, I guess. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you want to say, double header. Yeah, and then especially around. Uh, also, like February tenth is the trade deadline. I'm sure we'll yep. have some NBA talk around right after too. the Super Bowl. But, yeah, exactly. So we'll, a lot of content's coming yep. for you guys this semester from Jack and I, and we are very excited about it as well. So we can't. Oh, and also next week in Ghana, in Ghana, game. Yeah, that's how you say his name. I have, Gane, dude, Gane, I have no idea. Uh, Cyril Gain. I think that's yeah. yeah. I think that's how you say it. But anyways, we'll be we'll be talking about that too, and can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. And, all right, go Peace. cards.